Welcome to From the Inside Out with Pastor Tim Molter of Calvary Chapel, Fergus Falls in Minnesota. We're glad you could join us today. Sit tight, get your Bible, and get ready to get in the Word with us as we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and book by book through the Word of God. Amen. Well, with that, let's turn our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Title of our study is Beware of False Teachers. The Bible talks a lot about a time where people will raise up leaders. Their itching ears will desire to hear. A 2 Timothy 4.3 talks about that and references people believing in their own desires, felt needs, or wants rather than the actual truth itself. And when the people have itching ears, they decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong. And they seek out others to support their notions and they suppress anyone who differs from their opinion. Sound familiar? We're seeing that right in social media and other areas where we're going to censor people that we don't agree with. And so even in the Old Testament, we see there were false teachers who did the same thing. And so we'll see a lot of warnings for discernment and wisdom that's needed for us. And uh, the best way to make sure that you are not deceived is to know the Word of God and to know the author of the Word of God, Christ himself. And again, I want to encourage you, if you've never read through the Bible, make a plan to read through God's Word. That's going to help you not be deceived by false teaching. And uh, because they love to take something out of context, and you're going to go, wait a minute, I remember reading that. That's, that's not right. And you'll go back and you'll read it and you're like, no, that's not what that's saying at all. And so it's so important that we know that. And as we're studying God's word, we'll see the only remedy for sin is by trusting in a sacrificial death of Christ and believing in his resurrection from the dead. So with that, let's take a look at the first five verses here. We'll see that there's a temptation from prophets or from leaders uh, to follow a different God. So Deuteronomy chapter 13, picking up here in verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he's spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. We'll pause there. 
The first thing we see is Moses began to warn the people that there would arise someone among their ranks who would be a prophet and could produce a sign or a wonder. And they would begin to lead them astray from the Lord. Now Moses was pretty special in that he had a privilege not many of us will have. He got to speak to God face to face. Uh, And there's other people in the Bible that had great experiences with the Lord. Joseph had dreams from the Lord about things that were gonna come to pass. Um, In the New Testament, Peter had a vision uh, that God gave to him. And then we also see uh, in the Old Testament, Jacob had a vision or a dream of a ladder. Uh, Daniel was able to interpret dreams. And so we see that God can use dreams and he can use visions. But sometimes those things aren't from the Lord. Sometimes maybe you had some spicy tacos the night before or something, right? And you just had some weird dreams. That stuff can happen. But what if someone said, hey, God spoke to me, and God didn't really speak to them? And, uh, and they do something miraculous. And you go, well, there must be something going on here. God's working through this person. Hey, maybe we should go follow after this person. And you begin to wonder, well, why would a prophet deliver a true message followed by an invitation to worship false gods. I think it's the same reason we see leaders today in the church. They abandon their calling of the gospel to get involved in cults or even start their own cult because of pride. They desire to have a following, to exercise authority. And, and oftentimes, uh, most false teachers, it's the desire for money, right? Um, and some of them have even yelled that, right? Show me the money, right? That's what they're desiring. And you've heard me say before uh, that people that say, hey, just call in and, and give us your money and God's going to give you back tenfold. If they really believe that, they should be giving us money because God will give them back tenfold, right? So they're preying on people, right? They're deceiving people and uh, they will be judged accordingly. So there's many of these cults out there, false groups, We have to be careful not to put too much stock in dreams and and visions and things on YouTube that people claim they they had or saw. Um, We have to be careful and said, follow the Lord to to know that he's going to bring confirmation uh, to the things that are true. And we want to filter everything through God's word. Does that align with what God's word says? If so, then we'll we'll keep listening. If not, then nope, we're not going to listen to that anymore. So the fact is that sign of wonders can never be the evidence of the truth or God's hand. And and this might offend some people, but I don't care if if you're Catholic and you see Mother Mary in your pancakes, which happened uh, recently, um, that's not a sign of God. That is not a sign of the presence of God. Uh, That's not God trying to encourage you to worship the saints or angels, okay? Or there's a church in California and and Reading uh, called Bethel, and uh, I remember, because we were in Chico, we were only about an hour away, and they posted videos that the, the Spirit of God was there because they took a penny and they went over to the wall and rubbed it on the penny and then it stuck. And they said, this is evidence that God's here, the Holy Spirit's moving. And I'm like, I'm kind of a logical science geek. There's something called friction, where you can actually get things to stick if you heat it up enough. It can actually kind of adhesive to that material. Uh, and I'm like, I don't think that's the sign of God because then, of course, like a minute later as he's praying, the thing falls down, but they didn't want to point that part out, right? 
So there's a lot of these weird kind of things that people are doing for attention and for experience. But the truth is we do not get theology from experience. We get theology from the word of God, from the Bible and the Bible alone. So there's many Christians that seek uh, these things and sadly they lack discernment. Uh, the New Age movement has really crept into the church and uh, there's a heavy focus on feelings and experiences, crystals and candles, all kinds of religious objects, yoga and mantras and the power of positive thinking, uh, replacement theology and that the church has replaced Israel and, and all these weird things that happen. And um, and they're immediately convinced there's something supernatural or some sort of magical. It must be from the Lord. And it's, it's really showing that people are, maybe the word's gullible, right? And I I've, don't know about you, but I remember people would say, hey, did you know the word gullible is not in the dictionary? I'd be, what? No way. I'm like, oh, I was gullible, right? But in 2 Thessalonians 2.9, it tells us that there'll be a time where many will be deceived. And, and we're beginning to see that people are just clueless. They'll just follow after anything. Uh, in fact, Mormons say if you read their book, you'll feel, feel this, they call it the burning in the bosom, this burning inside. And that's, they say, evidence that what you're reading is true. Well, hello, that's based on a feeling. You need to use discernment to, to find out the truth about Christ. And oftentimes you ask them about Jesus Ask them about God and the Trinity, about sin and salvation. Ask them about gender and marriage, church leadership and, and pastors. Ask them about baptism and communion, creation and eternity, the old covenant, the new covenant, the Bible and its authority. Ask them about heaven and hell. And you'll find out they are way out there. They've got some strange ideas about those things. And oftentimes they don't even get Jesus right. Right? They say, like, well, he's the brother of Lucifer. What, are you, what book are you reading? That's not in the Bible. So we realize uh, there's a lot of strange things out there, a lot of false teaching, and we should reject and refuse to support such heretics or false teachers, and then we should warn others as well. We'll talk more about that as we get into the last section uh, of this chapter, but we need to see, we need to use wisdom with these new movements and these new uh, crazy things that are happening um, that people are saying it's the Lord. We should always stop and go, is that really the Lord? Let's filter that through the scriptures and see if that's happened before, if that's in line with God's character and his nature. And I've wondered, and maybe you've wondered, why doesn't God just destroy false teachers? Wipe them off the face of the earth, right? Be done with them. In fact, why doesn't God do that with the devil also? Why doesn't he just go, you're gone, right? He could. But we're told here, the Lord your God's testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God and fear him and obey his word, serve him and hold fast to him. So God can use them as a tool to divide people and say, are you going to follow me or are you going to follow your own desires? And, and we see that there's this temptation from these people, these leaders, and uh, we have to be on guard that they're going to try and persuade us away from following the Lord. Well, next we'll see there's also a temptation from those close to us, from family and close friends. And we'll see that here in verse 6 through verse 11. 
If your brother, the son of your mother, or uh, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom, uh, your bosom and your friends who is at your own soul secretly entices you, saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers, of gods the people which are all around you, near to you or far off, from one of the ends of the earth to the other end of the earth, you shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. But you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be the first against him to put him to death. And afterward, the hand of all the people. And you shall stone him with stones until he dies, because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. So all Israel shall hear and fear, and not again do such wickedness as this among you. We'll pause there. Now, it, it might be a little difficult to expose and execute a false teacher. Maybe not so much, but what about a close relative? What about a close friend? What about a spouse or kids that say, hey, let's go over here and worship this God of this religion, or, you know, Jesus is, is okay, but my Jesus, he's okay with this. We should go do this. How do we, how do we deal with that? It says, even if a man's own wife entices him to worship idols, and King Solomon comes to mind, right? That happened, and it had destruction for the nation. The husband was not to shield her, but to take her to the authorities and even participate in the execution. There was to be a love for God first and foremost before a love for family. And when you go back to Genesis, you see that uh, Eve tempted Adam there in the garden to, to question God, and the devil tempted Eve to question. You look at the New Testament, and Peter, uh, as he's interacting with Jesus, says, Far be it from you, Lord. And then Jesus turns around and says, Get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God. And so he rebuked him. And so there's a danger there. Those close to us may say something and try and lead us astray. And so if your spouse says, hey, let's stop going to church, let's stop focusing so much on Jesus and just focus on us, uh, you realize they're, they're beginning to, to focus more on self than the things of the Lord, and, and it can lead to selfishness. Now, of course, I'm not saying if you're gone, there's anything wrong with that. There's a time for a vacation and a break, right? But if that becomes your focus, uh, you'll begin to realize that you're serving a God of your imagination that's okay with the things you're okay with. And, um, and maybe kids will come, and as they're older kids, they'll say, hey, I'm in love with this person. And look, I know they're not a Christian. In fact, I know their lifestyle is not okay with, with, with you. But our God's okay with it, and we want you to be okay with it too, the way that we're living, right? And so there's that temptation as well. And what are you going to do? Are you going to say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go along with it? Or are you going to say, well, that's not the God according to my Bible. I mean, sin is sin. He loves us. In fact, I've got a past too. We're all sinners. We need the grace of Christ. And he's got a better plan for you and, and for this other person. And so we need to be on guard against that. Or maybe someone close to you, a friend or a family member says, hey, I just read this book. It's called the Book of Mormon. You should check it out. It's really good. And you're like, 
well, maybe I'll check it out. You just say, no. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I've got this thing called grace. I don't have to go knock on doors uh, to try and earn salvation. I'm good, right? Christ has already came down and he's given me salvation. I don't have to try and work for it. Uh, I'm good. And so we see that this, this temptation from those close to you, it demonstrates how seriously God regards leading someone into idolatry. Even a sympathetic person entices you, even if they do it in private. Idolatry is not to be tolerated. And this brings to mind the words of Christ in Matthew 18, 6. He says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, as they were grinding flour, there would be this larger stone, there'd be a big circular stone and then another stone that would go around in a circle on top of that. And that was the millstone. They were pretty heavy. So God was saying, if you offend one of these, if you mess with my children, if you lead them astray, if you cause them to sin, uh, you're going to face my judgment. I'm going to deal with you because that's personally, you're messing with my kids. You're trying to lead them astray. So God takes that careful, uh, very careful because it offends the heart of God. His desire is to reach people. And there's people that are leading them astray. It reminds me when I was working with the Billy Graham ministry, and I still do at, at some, some level, but when I was helping out with their follow-up in evangelism, one of the things that they told us was that um, they stopped publicizing where Billy Graham was going or even Franklin Graham was going because the cults would gather up and they would go to that city. And the day after there was an event, they would go and knock on doors. And they would target those who had just given their life to Jesus and then began to try and lead them astray. And so we see that there's this, this deception that takes place, that people want to lead others away from the Lord. And so if that people try and do that to us and they say, hey, Let's go serve this other God. We speak the truth in love, right? We, we tell him what God's word says. Norman Geisler said, Today, our moral positions are more often fueled by feelings and emotions rather than careful thoughts. As a spiritual leader of my home, the buck stops with me. I need to ensure my wife and my kids know the Lord. I need to know that they know the word of God, but also, just importantly, they know how to study the word of God on their own. They know how to ask questions that they can be a critical and logical thinker, right? That they, they can stop and think through things and ask questions. In fact, in our home, asking questions is required and part of our time with our kids. Um, we want them to ask questions. And so I will even tell my kids, hey, uh, do you have a question to, to stump dad? Right? And, oh, I don't have one tonight. All right, next week, you've got to come up with a question to see if I don't know the answer to, which is great because sometimes that happens. I'm like, you know, that's a really good question. I'm going to go find out, and I'm going to get back to you on that. And it causes us to grow. It causes us to learn in the things of the Lord. And so we're training our kids in apologetics so that they can defend themselves against uh, teachers and friends and even extended family. And, and as a church fellowship that's our desire as well with our little ones is, is we don't want to give them fluff. And I know there's some curriculums out there. There's an orange 
what's called orange something, and there's some fluff in that. And we, we're going through answers in Genesis. We want them to know the word of God, to be able to give a defense for the hope that lies within them, right? To know the truth of God's word. And so it's very important uh, that we train up kids to know the Lord so they're not led astray. And so Israel, it says, was to hear and they were to fear. They were to safeguard themselves from this deception that would come. And at times there are churches that are totally destroyed because they're people pleasers. They want peace at any price. They don't want division and chaos uh, in their church fellowship. But really, that's not a biblical way to deal with problems. Unity that's based on fake peace or hypocrisy will never last. And on the other hand, I remember um, visiting the church, I won't say which one, uh, but there was a situation where the dad of the household um, was getting into false doctrine. And he was beginning to share that with others in the fellowship. And uh, the son shared that with the pastor and they kind of had this intervention, and I was there kind of as the mediator, as it says in Matthew 18. And so I'm there. I don't know really what's going on. I'm hearing both sides, and they say, well, what do you think? And as I was listening to this, it, it began to see that this dad was trying to not only turn his son's heart away from the Lord, but others in the fellowship away from the pastor and away from the things of the Lord. And I told the guy, I said, if you really feel that way, go start your own thing. Don't try and take people away from the fellowship of what God's doing here. And I said, and even if your son doesn't go with you, he's old enough, he can, he can, he's on his own already, he can make his own decision. And what ended up happening was, the guy said, well, there's not gonna be something else, right? Because he, he didn't want to start something, he wanted attention, he wanted people to follow after him. And that son made a decision in that fellowship that he was gonna follow the Lord. And unfortunately, his dad kind of cut him off from fellowship and from any kind of conversation, but he's still there in the church, he's growing in the Lord, and, and, and he made that decision that he was not gonna stand with that, that falseness, and, and that can be difficult. Uh, there's many times where people even are trying to get out of these cults. Uh, Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses do this, where somebody comes to Christ, and they're like, you're excommunicated. And they're like, you know what? I found, I found the Lord. I got something better. And, and Christ says this, right? That, if you, for, if you leave your brother or your sister or your family or your household, that uh, you've got more rewards. And the truth is, when you come to Christ, you gain a larger family, right? This church family, you gain uh, more people uh, that you can have a, a relationship with and fellowship and be encouraged by. So we see that discipline is not a popular topic today, especially church discipline. It's almost non-existent. Um, and we've had to do that several times. And we've always done it very carefully and prayerfully as a last resort um, so the fellowship can stay healthy and safe. Um, and, uh, and so we wouldn't want our friends or family to be led astray from the Lord. And so we need to hold facts to sound doctrine and know the real Jesus that's recorded in the Bible. Um, and so it's gonna be harder as there's going to be people that are close to us and say, you know, it's great that you love the Lord, but you don't need to get that crazy about him, right? And you just go, you know what? The more I keep reading this, the more I realize it's true. And I realize that if God can do something like he did with, with Saul of Tarsus and the road to Damascus and change him to Paul the Apostle, 
hey, God can change my life too. God can use me. In fact, God can use all of us in ministry. And so we see that God's desires that um, we safeguard our hearts from those even close to us that want to lead us astray. And I'll be honest, oftentimes they don't even realize what they're saying. They're, they're just repeating something they heard, right? And when you speak the truth in love, then they're like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't listen to that person either. Maybe I need to start reading my Bible more. And that can be a good thing. Well, this last section, verse 12 through 18, we'll see there's a temptation from, uh, from maybe like a mob, a, a mass of people, a big group of people, or from those in hierarchy, those in positions above you, whether it be from government or, or even um, those in organized religion. And we'll talk about that. So let's pick up here in verse 12. If you hear someone in one of your cities, which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, saying, Corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. Then you shall inquire, search out, and ask diligently. If there indeed is true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it and all that's in it with the livestock with the edge of the sword. And you shall gather all its plunder in the middle of the street and completely burn it with fire, the city and all its plunder, for the Lord your God. It shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. So none of the accursed things shall remain in your hand, that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy, have compassion on you, and multiply you just as he swore to your fathers because you have listened to the voice of the Lord your God to keep all his commandments, which I command you today to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. So we see the fact that if there's hundreds of people, a multitude of people that approve something, something we know is wrong, it doesn't change that it's somehow now okay. right? And we see that going on in our culture today. God declares something in the word there's two genders. I hate to break it to you, but that's what the Bible says, right? There's not 50 shades of genders. There's two. There's a male and there's a female, right? And it's biological, right? You're born that way. And that's what God's Word says. And he, he created us for a purpose, right? He created us. And so we begin to see that these things matter. So even if a mob or politicians or the government says, it's okay to do this, and God's word says something else, we go with what God says. God defines what sin is, what truth is, and how we deal with moral issues. God governs his people by decree, not by consensus. Right? We don't all get to vote on, hey, there's a situation and we need to figure out if this is sin or not. Let's all take a vote on it. We, we don't do that. We just go, hey, what does the Bible say? God, we want to have hearts that are right with you. We want to have hearts that are close to you. What does your word say? And we go from there. But we also see it was important that the matter be investigated thoroughly and accurately. This guard against any harsh judgment. You know, perhaps there were a few idolaters in a city. They needed to be punished, but the whole city didn't need to be destroyed. So God commanded a careful investigation. When you take a look at church history, there have been those that have tried to manufacture the presence of God among them or try and manufacture the, 
the work of the Holy Spirit, and maybe even a revival. And they do a lot of odd things to attract attention. And, um, and they claim it's the Lord. And there's false teachers who worship. Really, when you take a look at what the devil offered Jesus in the temptation, if he only, Jesus would only bow down and worship the devil, many of the false teachers will offer you the same thing. You want health. You want fame. You, you want prosperity. You want power. Hey, come and follow me. Make a covenant with me. I can give you all those things. And sadly, there's many people that do that. And, and they're deceived. And, and these people, throughout church history, they peddle experience. They peddle for profit. They'll use parts of the word of God for their own gain. And, and, and they want things from you rather than give things to you uh, to bless you. And again, the way not to be swept away by false teachings is to know the Bible for yourself. I, we had a gal come a few weeks ago from a Catholic background, and, and she shared uh, in the Catholic Church, she was told, you didn't need to read your Bible. Uh, the priest will get up, and he'll tell you exactly what you need to know. And she's like, you're telling me I can read my Bible on my own? I'm like, yeah, you can do that. She's like, well, where do I start? I'm like, you can start in the New Testament. That's a great place to start. And so we can know God's word for ourselves. Right? And don't just believe me because I'm up here and I've got a title pastor and I'm at the pulpit. Be a Berean. Search the scriptures. Let God's word be your final authority. Know what the word of God says. And so Israel was uh, to terminate that person's life or that city. Well, we have to remember they were not only a nation of God, a people that were called to follow him, but they were also a government that were established by God and for God. And sadly, church history tells us the Catholic Church took up that role of government. And they began to get involved in capital punishment during the Dark Ages and the Crusades. And they really began to give a bad witness of the Lord because God's kingdom is not of this earth, right? God wants to save people, to rescue people. And many of the, what we'd say, heroes of the faith, um, those who gave us the scriptures in our English language, those who wanted to reach others for the gospel, the Catholic Church burned at the stake or had them executed. They had a love for the Lord, but it went against tradition. It went against the, the church policy. And then only those people and leaders would have read the word of God. They would have realized their errors. They would have realized after careful investigation, as God says, they would have seen the truth. And the truth always prevails. And so, we need to know that the church is not in that role today. We should not go and stone people that are false teachers. We should not go and blow up their buildings or set fire to them or anything, right? God's going to judge them, right? But at the same time, we should make sure we are safeguarding ourselves from them. We should put away the evil from being allowed in the midst of fellowship to protect the sheep, right? We want to protect those around us. Dr. Walter Martin's book, Kingdom of the Cults, which I highly recommend, confirms that many of these false teachers take advantage of the elderly, those new to the faith, and those who are not grounded in the word of God. And so they like to prey on those kind of people that they can try and deceive and, 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 and lead away from the Lord. And Jesus warned about false teachers. The apostles also warned about false teachers. Uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. 
and a wolf can allow other wolves into the flock. But it takes a real shepherd like Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Right? Jesus proved his love for us by giving up his life for us to protect us, to save us. And many times you'll find out if one of these people who um, say that they're a leader or a prophet from the Lord, or today we see many of them on YouTube, apostles, they like that title, if they're willing to lay down their life for their flock, many of them aren't. They'll skedaddle. They'll get out of there real quick. They'll just take what they got and they'll run because they don't really care about the people, right? And so we see that uh, a shepherd who's willing to die for the lambs and trust them is more often the one that really is hearing from the Lord and wants to help the people. And sometimes it's the younger teachers that want to show off how much they know and try to impress people. And so it causes us to be guarding our hearts. Lord, help me to know your word, that I don't lead myself astray or others astray. And I've learned that I'm always going to be a Bible student. I'm always going to be sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and learning more about him and, and serving him, right? To have that heart of humility and say, Lord, I don't know everything, but I know you do. And again, there's times where my kids will come and ask me a question or some of you have asked me questions. I'm like, that's a good question. I don't know the answer, but I know where to find the answer. Let me get back to you, right? We need to have that discernment to know the word of God. So in closing, this chapter asks some important questions. What would it take to lead you away from God? Would signs and wonders do it? What if your spouse forsook God or all of your friends? What if culture, nationalism, or ethnic ties called you away from Jesus? Convert or die. We should never allow such ties to come before our bond to Jesus Christ. We must decide, as the psalm says, though none go with me, still I will follow. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we've preached to you. I see it again, as we've said before, if anyone preaches any other good news, the one you've welcomed, let that person be cursed. That's from the New Living Translation. That's Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. If that happened in the early church that morning, how much more in, in our time, right, that we should be on guard. So again, the best way to make sure you're not deceived is to know the real Jesus through reading your Bible, the whole Bible. And we want to be like the Bereans mentioned in Acts 17, to search the scriptures, make it a priority to know the truth of God's word. And then lastly, to know the remedy for sin, the only thing that we can have to deal with our sin is a perfect sacrifice. It's the sacrificial death of God's Son and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for warning us against those that would want to deceive us and lead us astray from you. God, help us to be on guard, 
against those in, in leadership who would lead us astray. Help us, Lord, not to be following some person, but to be following after you. Lord, because we will be let down by humans. They'll be going off track at some point in life. Help us to know you first and foremost. And Lord, help us to be safeguarded from those near to us, family and close friends who are following after someone else and say, hey, come follow us. Let's go after this thing. Lord, help us to be grounded in your word so that we can speak the truth in love. And Lord, for the government and, and culture as it wants to redefine things and lead us astray to follow after it, to worship anything and everything but you. Help us, Lord, to be so centered upon you and your truth that we would know better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day with you that we would know, Lord, that your word is truth, that you would guide us into your truth. And Father, we pray if there'd be anyone here this morning whether it be here in person or watching the live stream online or listening to this message later on, who need to give their heart and their life to you. We ask, God, that today would be the day of salvation, that you would set them free from their bondage, and that you would forgive them their sin, and that they would receive your grace. And if you're here this morning and say, Pastor Tim, pray for me, pray with me, I need to get right with God. I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd be in heaven. If you're here this morning and, and you're ready to make that decision to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, I simply want to lead you in a prayer. I encourage you to repeat this prayer after me in just a moment and truly mean this in your heart. God, I realize that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. I believe that you love me that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. That he was buried and rose from the dead. Lord, please forgive me of all my sins as I now surrender all of my life to you. Help me from this day forward to follow you and put your spirit within me that I may do your will. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for adopting me into your family. And thank you for being my savior, my Lord, and my friend. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Look, if that was you and this is the first time you prayed to receive Christ or maybe a rededication, let me know. I'd love to encourage you, give you some resources, give you a Bible if you don't have one. You've been listening to From the Inside Out with Pastor Tim Mulder of Calvary Chapel, Fergus Falls in Minnesota. We're glad you could join us today as we study God's Word cover to cover, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and book by book. Would you like to partner with us? Consider becoming a giver with us to support this ministry. Please visit ccfergusfalls.com giving. Find out more about this ministry and all of our ministries. Check out ccfergusfalls.com. May God bless you as you study his word with us and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ.
life to you I give shout from the inside